Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Born on This Day. Today is August the 19th. I'm Amanda Barker. And I'm Bill Antonio. And Bill, I don't know if you knew this, but it's Happy National Potato Day. Okay. Why did you think that that one would specifically appeal to me, as you said I earlier? Feel like, because I look because like you're... a potato with eyebrows when people take a photo no. of me. Is that why? You think you're better no. than me? No. You think you're so smart? You're so conceited? Um, <laughs> we're being Massachusetts people, in case you're wondering. Um, and there are a lot of potatoes in Massachusetts, but a lot of potatoes are cooked... Uh, in Greek culture, so I thought maybe there was a Greek I actually do. I really, I could live in a vat of potato. I love potatoes a lot. Yeah. I have some in the oven right now, and it's mm. actually funny that I do because it's actually not a thing. Sweet potatoes, but it's not a thing I normally right, cook. Well, let's well, uh, anyway. get through this quickly so you can go eat your dinner. I got some potatoes to, to eat, folks, so happy yeah. National Potato to you. Of course, they're a primary staple crop. You can make bread, rolls, gnocchi, pancakes. Uh, you can you can use you can eat potatoes all the time. I mean, um, I, the Irish people do, and uh, I, I have to say the best potatoes are Greek potatoes. I don't know anyone who can cook potatoes. My well. mom is particularly beloved for the way she makes potatoes. I don't know what it is that really appeals to people so much, but she and like my niece goes crazy for them. It's all she ever wants when she comes over. So like yeah. they're they're crispy, mm. but they're there's like not an you know it's not too much oil, but just enough. Yeah. I don't know something something really fun. It's a special gift, the Greek potato. And if you were born on August nineteenth, you are well known maybe for loving potatoes. I'm not sure, <laughs> but also for being ambitious, honest, and active. While those around you seem content with their current status, you're always looking to reach that next level. You're a very goal oriented individual. You rarely recall a situation where you've accepted failure. You always want to overcome and conquer, and you take life to be a competition. So stick a potato in that, Bill. <laughs> well, and let's see if we can stick a potato in any of our birthday celebrants today. <laughs> Starting us off, someone I admire greatly, Matthew Perry was one of the stars of the super hit sitcom Friends, playing the very definition of sarcasm in the role of Chandler Bing, which earned him an Emmy nomination. He also starred in the films The Whole Nine Yards and Fools Rush In, received two more Emmy nominations for The West Wing and an Emmy and Golden Globe nomination for The Ron Clark Story. He was born on this day in Williamstown, Massachusetts in 1969. I feel like Chandler Bing was the character of the 90s. Oh, I really fantastic. do. Yeah, he was so funny and I loved his sarcasm and, you know. Yeah. He was the closest it, it, I was ever going to get to loving a straight male character, basically. Yeah. yeah. And even, you know, even that was in question for a while. Um, right. Friends, I think. Yeah. But, a lot of dumb you know, jokes that would not not pass today. But yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, no. Half of it wouldn't. But um, yeah, he, I really feel like he dressed like the 90s. Yep. He talked like the 90s. Like oh, yeah. He when we talk to... about Chandler shirts, people know exactly what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. yeah. You yeah. know, and there was, it was the first time. I don't know, maybe not the first time, but it was the idea that sarcasm meant that you were smart. Yes. It was, it was sort of the rebirth of wit, actually, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, anyway, for young I people, because, like, you know, Dorothy's Bornak has already done it. But in terms of somebody 100%. who appealed to, like, young people, for sure. So did Oscar Wilde. Yeah. But, yeah, somebody that was, <laughs> you know, on TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of Peter Gallagher's first major roles was in the steamy summer romance, Summer Lovers. Later, he appeared in the critically acclaimed 
films Sex, Lies, and Videotape and The Player. More recently, he showed up as Jane Fonda's love interest on Grace and Frankie. He is currently on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's so good in it. He was born on this day in New York City in 1955. What? I always thought he was Canadian. Hmm. Nope. Because he was on Covert Affairs. Should we talk about Covert Affairs again, Amanda? <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, he he's really, I don't know if you've caught Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. It was no. a bit of a sleeper hit. But no. um, he plays her father that has a neurodegenerative disease. So he's mostly frozen. But because people can sing their inner thoughts to her, that's right. the, she has a special power where people sing and it's, mm-hmm. you know, all a musical. Um, he can break into song when he goes into that moment and shares those special moments with her. Um, and it's, it's heartbreaking. He does yeah, he's so talented. Mm-hmm. So talented. And we all stayed up late to watch summer lovers when we were kids, when they played on city TV at, on Friday night at like 2am. All right. Speak for yourself, Bill. <laughs> Melissa Fumero was on six episodes of Gossip Girl and four years of One Life to Live, but has proved herself a comedic genius with her role as Amy Santiago on the hit series Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She was born on this day in Lyndhurst, New Jersey in 1982. Jill St. John appeared in a number of films in the 60s, including Tony Rome and the Oscar before her role as Tiffany Case in Diamonds Are Forever made her the first American Bond girl in the film franchise. She followed this with appearances on The Love Boat and Fantasy Island. I mean, who didn't? That was If, <laughs> yeah. you, if you were anybody yeah. in the 70s, you were going on both of those shows. And you would, you and would she, show up on more than one episode as different characters as well. Yeah. Yeah. There was no shame in that. Yeah. Of course not. No. She appeared as herself in The Player and made her last feature film, The calling in 2002 she was born on this day in los angeles in 1940 yeah i should say latest considering she is still alive oh yes and happy 80th birthday to her today yeah her last her last known feature we've decided that it's her last (laughs) all right kira sedgwick is another cast member of brooklyn 99 who also won a golden globe and an emmy for the show the closer and was nominated for golden globes for the films miss rose white and something to talk about Also appearing in Heart and Souls, Phenomenon, and The Woodsman, Sedgwick is married to actor Kevin Bacon and was born on this day in New York City in 1965. The Closer was one of the shows uh, I talked about, since we're talking about COVID Mm -hmm. affairs a little bit today, we got COVID affairs and we also got The Closer, (laughs) sort of back to back. It's a total mom show. Daniel Krolik is always telling me about how much his mom loves that show, but I actually really enjoy it. (laughs) <laughs> well what are we if not middle-aged moms and she's so convincing uh, when she plays southern gals i always think that she actually is a southern gal she's so but, convincing as Southern, yeah, but, but she's, she's actually like a, no she's like a park avenue princess she comes from uh um no, old money or edie sedgwick of the andy warhol era is a distant cousin of hers oh, yeah. okay yeah. yeah born in new york city wow yeah i always thought she was like holly hunter like yeah no, southern and no. oh wow interesting Jonathan Frakes followed his roles on North and South and Falcon Crest with the role with which he will forever be associated, Commander William Riker on Star Trek The Next Generation. He made his directorial debut on episodes of that show, which led to him directing a few of the Star Trek films, as well as Clockstoppers and Thunderbirds, and episodes of NCIS Los Angeles, Burn Notice, and Star Trek Discovery. He was born on this day in Belafonte, is it Belfont? 
Pennsylvania in 1952. Probably in Pennsylvania. Yeah, probably they pronounce it Belafonte. So here's how I know him, um, because we have an actor connection. And uh, without going into massive detail, um, as you said, he is directing Star Trek Discovery. Oh, which is shot here. Yeah, my actor connection with him. Do you know who I'm going to say? I bet do I know who you're going to say? No, I don't. No, okay. It my is ex my was nephew. on that show, but I don't think you knew him. <laughs> no, I don't. No. Um, it's my nephew, Luca. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I do know about He's him. five yeah. years old. He's a reoccurring character That's on hilarious. it. They just made his character reoccurring. Jonathan uh, directed him and said, this kid is magic and uh, loved him to pieces. And we have all these photos of him, of them together. Yeah. And Luca had a great time. And uh has a better career than any of us. And he has he's a lovely six. fellow, Jonathan Frakes, and he's very beloved in the Star Trek universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is very, I, you know, impressive for someone who caught, was constantly referred to as number two on the show. I mean, and I keep saying like my, my nephew at five years old could go into Comic-Con at this point. Like it's crazy. Amazing. Anyway, speaking of Star Trek and Comic-Con, Gene Roddenberry was born on this day in 1921. He was an American television screenwriter, producer, and creator of the original Star Trek television series and its first spinoff, The Next Generation. Born in El Paso, Texas, Roddenberry grew up in Los Angeles. He flew 89 combat missions in the Army Air Forces during World War II and worked as a commercial air pilot after the war. But in 1985, he became the first TV writer with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Years after his death, he was one of the first humans to have his ashes carried into Earth's orbit. That's wonderful. He died October 24th, 1991 at 70 years old, and he was born on this day in 1921. I feel like he died young. You know, like 70 feels young now, I guess. I guess we're fortunate Mm -hmm. enough to consider 70 young. Um, I just wonder if anyone else's imagination has had quite an effect on international culture as he does. I know Star Wars is a big thing, but I feel like Star Trek is massive right. yeah right Absolutely. was it his army um experience that is the reason why star trek is like it's very like military based you know like the way they run it's everything is very, it's like it's horatio hornblower hornblower on a on a spaceship basically it's like it's very naval yeah. the way they're yeah yeah yeah, that makes complete sense yeah. to me that he worked in the in the uh, Air Force. Yeah, because he was also a man of his era, so I I don't know that it's mm-hmm. that shocking that you know anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all did. I mean, all the men. Right. My dad, my dad ran his factory. Like yeah, the Army. yeah. So that's why I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Arkin followed his father Alan into acting, appearing in the films Hanging Up and Hitch and the shows Northern Exposure and Chicago Hope. But he also has a formidable career as director, helming episodes of Fargo, Justified, and Sons of Anarchy. He's been nominated for three Emmys, and he was born on this day in Brooklyn in 1956. Erica Christensen first broke out, and this makes me laugh, as an alternate Julia Stiles. Didn't she? (laughs) You're right. Yeah. She was. She was that other girl that looked like Julia Stiles, but yeah. was not Julia Stiles. Yeah. Um, of course, she played teenagers in the film Swim Fan and the Oscar winning Traffic. That's what I think we all remember her from. She mm-hmm. was a strung out teen. Yep. Later, she appeared on the series Parenthood. She was born on this day in Seattle, Washington in 1982. Gerald McRaney was everyone's favorite military father on the hit series Major Dad. Later, he appeared on Touched by an Angel, Deadwood, Mike and Molly, and most recently on This Is Us, for which he won an Emmy Award. He's still married to Delta Burke, despite the fact that Amanda thinks she's dead, <laughs> and was born on this day in Collins, Mississippi in 1947. 
she's no longer with us. Well, <laughs> what was her last Actually, film? She is. And her, and her last film was The Calling. Yeah. Is it just me or was he super sexy in the 80s? I remember thinking Major Dad was hot as a kid. Uh, who was he in Mike and Molly? Uh, he was probably I, a recurring guest star as a, as I, a don't, dad I don't. I don't. I can't put a face to him. So oh, okay. I'm gonna, yeah. You're on that journey on your own. All right. <laughs> but we're on the next journey together. John Stamos became famous as, okay, you have, you say he's famous as Uncle Jesse on Full House. I am sorry. He is famous from GH. He was huge under a hospital. Oh, like, okay. I didn't realize he was that popular on that show. He, well, when I was seven, all my babysitters loved him. Oh, well, he was, he's still very handsome. I forget what his name was on General Hospital, but he was he was pretty big. There was a couple big sort of soap stars that kind of broke through right. in various ways. Uh, right. From from GH, he was one of them. Uh, since then, he starred on ER, Scream Queens, the Full House reboot, appearing in the My Big Fat Greek Wedding sequel. Yikes! A nominee for two Emmy awards, he was born on this day in Cypress, California, in 1963. Marco has a question. Is he your favorite Greek superstar? Um, no, but I don't know who is, so let's uh, move on from there. <laughs> but he's great. I mean, I really admire that he is aging like fine wine and um, mm. just seems like an all-around classy guy, and he's very talented. No Greek person in the world would ever be named Jesse. There was never anything convincingly Greek about that show, but, you know, <laughs> otherwise I'm, I'm big, on, uh, big on John Stamos. Yeah, so was he playing Greek on Full House? Yeah, because he was her, uh, their name was... Um, Ugh, I can't remember what, the, but yeah, the idea was that the dead mom was Greek and he was her brother. From oh. what was his name? It was something like that. I don't. Because then they had relatives come from Greece on an episode where the writers clearly didn't feel like doing any research and they just made all this stuff up and it was it was silly and it was also a sitcom so I don't really care. But uh, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, now I'm trying to remember what his name was on on General Hospital. That's mm. under my notes. Okay. Jim Carter's career was well-known in England on stage and screen. He achieved a higher profile in North America in Shakespeare in Love and the miniseries Cranford before landing the role as Carson on the series Downton Abbey. Married to Imelda Staunton since 1983, he was born on this day in Yorkshire, England in 1948. I just remembered his name from GH. It was Blackie Parrish. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was his Wow, wow. <laughs> He was Blackie Parrish. That's a very common Irish nickname, Blackie, <laughs> which, of course, um, doesn't quite um, play too well these days. You know? No, I, no. Uh, also not playing too well these days is Kevin Dillon. Uh, he was always written off <laughs> as a little more than Matt Dillon's little brother um, with his roles. I always thought he was older than Matt Dillon. He, oh, I'm pretty he sure was, he's younger. No, he probably is, but he was taller and skinnier, right. which my mind means he has to be older because yeah. he's taller because yeah. uh, I'm nine. Um, anyway, he, uh, he had roles in the blob remake and the doors. Oh yeah. The doors, but he really came into his own with his acclaimed performance as Johnny drama on the hit series entourage. He's really great on entourage. And yeah. again, I entourage is not for everyone, but he was pretty great on it, which earned him a golden globe nomination and three Emmy nominations. He was born on this day and Memoronek, New York, I'm assuming that's Long Island. Sounds like 
it mm -hmm. in 1965. Yeah, he's only a year younger than Matt. Um, oh, okay. Although, to me, he looks a lot younger than Matt. Uh, I have to say as well, Entourage is not really a show for me. Like, I started watching it. I might have even made it to, like, a second season. But there's a point at which I just couldn't deal with his shenanigans anymore. But no shame on yeah. him. I think he's fantastic on that show. I feel like Entourage would be like, for me, watching it again would be like listening to the radio that I liked in the 90s or whatever. Like, sure. I'm sure it's really bro-y and problematic. And I don't, I didn't get through it all. I think I only got through the first two seasons or something. But I do remember loving them, even yeah. though if I were to watch it now, I'd probably just roll my eyes but some great actors came the brilliant problematic actually i can deal with it's the fact that i always felt that they were repeating a lot of the same same jokes over and over again sure you know considering yeah. it was considered like the sex in the city for guys i don't feel like it was as creative with its uh, plotting was it based on marky mark and his it life it's the show and it is kind of based on him and it's also based on the joke, which is probably true about Mark Wahlberg, which is that like the famous one who creates this entourage is never the most interesting in the group. And that's right. why it's appropriate that the very boring Adrian Grenier plays the lead character right. is oh, that you know, so boring, yeah. so boring, especially compared to his friends. And that is a reality. Yeah. But also his being so boring made it really hard to watch the show after a while. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. Cause you, you didn't root for him. That's for sure. Yeah. Deborah Paget spent less than 20 years in the movies, best known as the ingenue opposite Elvis in Love Me Tender, as well as appearing in The Ten Commandments and the Fritz Lang films Tiger of Bengal and The Indian Tomb. She made her last film in 1963, but felt her career had stalled and gave up the business after marrying an oil executive, only appearing publicly in the 80s when she hosted a religious show on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. She was born on this day in Denver, Colorado in 1933 fascinating yeah it's so fascinating to me it's interesting to me people that had careers and then were like i'm done yeah. you know as, as somebody that will probably spend the rest of my life well shit you, know, you, you marry oil money and you're like oh i i, I still want to get up at five in the morning and spend three hours in a makeup chair so that i can look like i'm 18 years old and and put up with elvis all day like i don't blame you for giving up the business i would i totally would yeah. that's uh, especially if you're playing the same type of characters over and over again as you were in her case you know it's not like yeah, she had that's fair. the kate blanchett career about to open up to her and, that's that's fair. And probably had yeah. made it in that business after having had her butt pinched or worse by every male executive oh, in town. Too. Easily, easily. It's not too yeah. shocking to me. Well, let's see if Martin Donovan's career becomes shocking to you. Uh, he was known for his performances in the Hal Hartley films Simple Men and Amateur, then won critical acclaim for his performance in The Portrait of a Lady before appearing in Living Out Loud, The Opposite of Sex, and the series Weeds. Recently, he appeared on Big Little Lies, and he was born on this day in Reseda, California in 1957. Hmm. Bill, I have a question. Yeah. Do you know who Gabrielle Bonheur Chanel was? That would probably be Coco Chanel. <laughs> You're so smart. Because I've seen Coco avant Chanel, and I remember that her name was Gabrielle. Mm -hmm. And she was born on this day in 1883 in Samur, France. She was a French fashion designer and businesswoman, the founder and the namesake of the Chanel brand. And she's credited with liberating women from the constraints of the corseted silhouette and popularizing a sporty, casual chic as the feminine standard of style. A prolific fashion creator, Chanel extended her influence beyond couture clothing, realizing her design aesthetic in jewelry, handbags, and fragrance. Her signature scent, 
sits on uh, sits on my perfume. Mm-hmm. I, I have a perfume area in my closet, like a perfume shelf, and uh, it is prominently displayed. Chanel Number no. Five. It's become the iconic product. I remember Marilyn Monroe saying that's the only thing she wears to bed when that's they right. asked. Yeah. Um, and, uh, apparently she got the moniker Coco, um, because it's a shortened version of coquette. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Which is to some, the French word for kept woman. I feel like coquette is a little bit, that translation's not quite, uh, coquette is yeah, a little maybe bit some more. people imply that, but it, it basically just means like a gamine, like a, like an adorable young gal, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. She died Sunday, January 10th, 1971 at the Hotel Ritz, which is where she lived for more than 30 years. At the tender age of 87, she died. Marco wants you to know. And I believe she like keeled over on her drawing table. The fact that she lived at the Ritz is amazing. Yeah, she was um she was a chronic smoker, right? Like she always had a cigarette. Well, listen, if I live to be 87, I'm going to be a chronic smoker too because I love smoking. <laughs> and I'm, as far as I'm concerned, it's not cutting my life short at that point. <laughs> um, she was a definitely a problematic figure. I know there's a lot of stories about her being something of like a Nazi sympathizer in the 40s oh, yeah. because of relationships she had. She's also responsible for the entire fashion industry that I do not believe would exist today if it wasn't mm-hmm. for what she started. The thing I find most fascinating about her that you learn in the film Coco Before Chanel, which is a wonderful film that I highly recommend, is the point at which her love affairs have gone south enough times that she decides that she's just going to put all her energy and her mind into her work. And Mm. I find it fascinating that this woman who created an industry built around uh, women uh, taking on her products in order to improve their love lives was all created by a woman who devoted herself to her work because she'd actually given up on love and not even in a bitter or despondent way, but in, in a way that like she felt that she'd awakened from the silly, immature dream of love conquering all and devoted herself to the practical reality of uh, work. See, I don't think of personally, and maybe this is just me, I don't think of Chanel as that, even the fragrance, all of it. I think of it more as an empowerment piece, like women, you know, taking pride and sure. it, for themselves yeah. and enjoying from, oh, from I, the I fully agree. I just mean in terms of like often how the fashion industry sells itself to us, I sure. find it's yeah. very interesting that it, at the head of it is this uh, woman who had this trajectory but yeah absolutely and of course her designs being the ones that as i said like she she took away all the ridiculous contraptions that women were wearing up until um, Mm -hmm. the post-world war one which is kind of her era and uh she's the result she's the reason why we have like flapper girls and all you know and she was definitely uh, very very empowering but um but I, I do find that very interesting. I, I related a lot I related a lot, I related a lot more to Coco before Chanel than a lot of other mm. movies I've seen. I uh, in, a, in a way that made me feel yeah. good. Yeah. I also related uh, to Black I, Swan a lot more than uh Oh, okay. Movies. We're not gonna go into Black Swan territory because <laughs> I know how I feel as a woman <laughs> about that movie. I have major issues with that movie. <laughs> L.Q. Jones is a distinctive Texan type and is frequently cast as such. As a young man, he was on Wagon Train and Rawhide in the 90s. He gave memorable performances in The Edge, Casino, which is what I always remember him from, and The Mask of Zorro. He was born in Beaumont, Texas on this day in 1927. 
Ahmed Best played one of the most reviled characters in modern film history, lending his voice and height to the notorious Jar Jar Binks in Star Wars. Oh, God. The Phantom Menace in 1999. And uh, if that wasn't enough, reprise the role in the animated series, The Clone Wars. He was born on this day in New York City in 1973. Yeah, Jar Jar Binks. I know. We can say whatever we want, but I think that guy's laughing all the way to the bank. So Yeah, exactly. Listen, he, he... he did what they wanted. Yeah, yeah, he didn't do what he was asked to do. Yeah. <laughs> Fred Thompson was often cast as authority types in films like Die Hard 2, Class Action, and Cape Fear, and often played politicians like the senator he portrays in Born Yesterday, which is a movie I absolutely adore. So it can't be too surprising that he fulfilled the role in real life, winning special election to the United States Senate in 1994 to fill the unexpired term of Al Gore when he was made vice president, of course. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, oh, wow. Thompson, who was often credited as Fred Dalton Thompson, was then re-elected to a full term in 1996, representing his home state of Tennessee. He was born on this day in Sheffield, Alabama in 1942 and died in 2015 at the age of 73. Maria de Medeiros is best known in North America for her role as Fabienne, the girl who wants Bruce Willis to get her blueberry pancakes in Pulp Fiction, but in Europe, she has appeared in a number of Spanish and Portuguese films in his, and has directed three feature films and three documentaries, our latest film, Our Children, in 2019. That was her latest film, rather. Yeah. <laughs> Not ours. Yeah. Well, it was ours, too, in a way, You're, wasn't we're gonna it? We're going to work with her next year. Don't worry. <laughs> we might. She was born on this day in Lisbon, Portugal, in 1965. She's so great in Pulp Fiction. I kind of wish she had done She's more. So great. yeah. Um, more roles in English. And I only realize now that her name is Fabienne in that movie because I think he's a total American Joe and he calls her Fabian in it. Oh, does he really? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember. It's been a while. But yeah, I love it. Whose motorcycle is this? It's a chopper, baby. Whose chopper is this? Whose chopper is this? It's Zed's. (laughs) Who's Zed? Zed's dead, Zed's dead. (laughs) They didn't have blueberry pancakes. I want to gain weight and have a belly like Madonna when she did Lucky Star. (laughs) I always love that line. <laughs> she wanted a, I want a pot. Oh, she wants, I want a pot belly. Right now I just have a little pot like Madonna when she did Lucky Star. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you want pot? No, I want a pot belly. Pot belly, you idiot. Yeah. So, uh, Pablo Larraín earned an Oscar nomination for Chile for Best Foreign Language Film for his exceptional political drama, No. Then followed it with the Oscar-nominated Jackie, starring Natalie Portman, and Neruda, starring Gael García Bernal. He was born on this day in Santiago in 1976. Valerie Kaprisky is best known for her performance in the sexy remake of Breathless, co-starring Richard Gere, but she still works in France, recently appearing in the show's research unit and Chronicles of the Sun. She was born on this day in neuilly sur seine France in 1962. I think it's neuilly neuilly sur seine Yeah. Wouldn't know I lived there. <laughs> William William Jefferson Clinton, also known as Bill Clinton, was born on this day as well in 1946. He is the 42nd president of the United States. And uh, I almost said he ruled. He ruled from <laughs> 1993 to 2001. Prior to his presidency, he served as governor of Arkansas. If you've ever been to Little Rock, which I got to go last year, it is Clinton territory. Everything there is 
Clinton, 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 Clinton. Yeah. Um, he was also the attorney general for a while for Arkansas. A member, of course, of the Democratic Party, Clinton was known as a new Democrat, and many of his policies reflected a centrist third way political philosophy, some would say. He is the husband of former Secretary of State, former U.S. Senator and candidate for President Hillary Clinton. And uh, I do recommend going to Little Rock. Um, I think he spends a lot more time there than people realize. And uh, the, the Clinton Library alone is a fantastic place. The restaurant is is really amazing. And uh, Little Rock is an interesting town. I mean, you don't have to spend a lot of time in it, but um we had never been. We were trying to do all 50 states. Uh, we almost got there. We, we have four left to go. And uh, so Arkansas was on the list. So we hit it up last year. Interesting. I've never been. A very good friend of mine is from Arkansas, but he's from uh, West Memphis, not from uh, Little Rock. And being from I West know. Memphis is basically like being from Tennessee because it's just across the river. But, oh, yeah. of Arkansas? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Am I wrong? I thought I, West Memphis I, was I, Arkansas. I feel like West Memphis might be Mississippi. You might be thinking Mississippi. I know Mississippi is very close to Memphis. Oh, you're right. But he is from Arkansas. I just don't remember where he's from. Got it. Um, Yeah. Apparently Hot Springs, Arkansas is amazing. And you can go to Al Capone's um, where he had like hideouts and stuff. He he, apparently Al Capone had all sorts of uh, hiding places in Hot Springs, Arkansas. So they say. But uh, if you're not in Hot Springs. Oh, Sorry, West Memphis. I just looked it up. West Memphis yeah. is the largest city in Crittenden County, Arkansas, in the United States. And Jesse's last name was Katsopolis. I remembered it right. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, and happy, uh, it's probably not his birthday today, but hey, happy August 19th. Happy Potato Day to Jesse Katsopolis <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to uh, John Stamos mm-hmm. and to Bill Clinton and yep. Gene Roddenberry and Jonathan Frakes. I actually learned today that his middle name was Jefferson because I was listening to a Barbra Streisand concert because that's how gays connect with the mothership on a daily basis. And, uh, <laughs> and that's how I learned that. So it's interesting that I hear his full name twice in one day. Hang on. Have you you never heard him refer to him as William Jefferson Clinton? No, no. I've only <gasps> heard him as Bill Clinton. Yeah. What the? No. I feel like that was he was all the time referred to that. But you know what? I feel like maybe I was more steep. No, I had moved at that point. Well, you're an American and you vote. So, you know, you're more locked into their politics than I am. And I'll sure be voting this year, folks. But until then. Donald Trump, we know she's going to do it. And let's (laughs) help Amanda make America great You don't know my vote. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, as always, it's been such a pleasure. I hope you have an amazing August 19th. And uh, I just want to thank everybody who's tuned in today and every day on Born on This Day podcast. Just in case you need to find me, I'm Amanda Barker. You can go to my Insta, Amanda J. Barker. I would say go to my Twitter, but they kicked me off in March and they won't let me back on. not over it yet. And I'm Bill Antonio at Bill Antonio, and we'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. <laughs>